In this episode of the podcast, we talk about the history and logic behind Monopoly the Planner. We discuss the business model of the Hong Kong Visa Center as an example as to how to transform the theory of the planner into real practice. We go into detail about Dr. Bruce and his sister Elspeth Ray and how the Monopoly Planner has helped them adjust their business propositions to the new connection economy and ensured the way to a monopoly in their own niches too. This is Digital Bacon FM. Top of the hour, 10 o'clock, and we're joined on the line by our marketing guru, the one, the only, Stephen Barnes. Well, hello there, Mr. Black. How the hell are you? I'm the hell well. Cold, but the hell well for sure. Great stuff. Well, it's uh, lovely and hot in Hong Kong. Summers are upon us now. No uh, denying the fact that uh, the humidifier has been turned on full blast and uh, 32, 33 degrees every single day. Great stuff. Cold where you are, I understand. When I went to gym with Gary this morning, it was one degree. Rather you than me, my friend. <laughs> and you can sweat all you want. I'll still have the cold. I'll moan about it, but I like it more. All about monopolies today. We're going to carry on with what we chatted about last week. Well, I think more than that, right, Jason. Um, where, where we're kind of heading right now is this um, sort of dynamic that uh, under the auspices of intelligent content marketing, as I've couched it, we have... Um, carved out a way to create the circumstances for uh, developing a monopoly in your own particular niche. Now, um, the sort of, you know, content that uh, we've developed for intelligent content marketing that speaks to the prospect of uh, developing a monopoly in your niche comes from, firstly, a video that's 15 minutes long called How to Build a Monopoly from Nothing with No Money Invested. Uh, that, as I say, from to the very top level um, sets out the kind of the, 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 the 10 steps, as it were, to go about building a modern monopoly in the connection economy. Uh, and then underneath that is uh, a pool of content that I developed between what well, was in 2015, in actual fact, a series of talks that I gave in Hong Kong, uh, one a month for 12 months, which um, essentially broke down the notion of monopoly building into um, 10 big ideas. I beg your pardon, 12 big ideas. Uh, and those 12 big ideas were um, reflected in these talks that I gave against uh, some, some sort of you know, notions embedded in PowerPoint presentations where I spoke uh, free form to just to you know, expound those big ideas and showed how they kind of all fit together um, within the rubric of monopoly building. Ultimately, a hinged on the um, ideas and work of my intellectual heroes, Kevin Kelly, Seth Golden, Charlie Munger, and Don Tapscott, uh, augmented, of course, with the good stuff uh, from Professor Clay Christensen from Harvard Business School, who talks about innovators' dilemma. But anyway, the uh, power of free, as those 12 big idea talks um, were, went on to be called, are all reflected now, uh, along with some other content that I've developed in the intervening years, in uh, a website on the internet called the Encyclopedia of Intelligent Content Marketing. Mm. About 400, 500 resources in that website now. It's completely free. Mm. Um, but uh, to sort of continue to sort of augment and build on the encyclopedia material, recognizing, of course, that Seth Godin says that ideas that spread win which is the motivation for putting the encyclopedia together in the first place. 
the idea being intelligent content marketing. But um, now that we've got this very large pool of material um, in the encyclopedia, uh, there came an opportunity uh, five or six months ago for me to actually produce a whole new array of material which um, takes, let's say, the theoretical uh, and turn it into something really practical mm. so that you can convert uh, the big ideas into something actionable for your own business. Uh, and that pool of content is reflected in uh, 36 videos that uh, myself, uh, who delivered the material, teaching it to one of my investors and good friends in one of the other ventures from um, a few years ago that never made any money, Orla, who they have spoken about previously. Mm. Anyway, the upshot is that uh, that particular individual's name is David Bruce, um, who has a PhD in entrepreneurship and has got an MBA with most of his courses in, uh, taking in entrepreneurship as well, uh, who happens to be uh, the kind of like the functional equivalent of the Hong Kong visa geezer in Hong Kong, but in this, on this occasion, his, um, his monopoly prospects lie in being uh, the first to market with a uh, technology, intelligent content marketing technology platform that will teach uh, investment bankers in Hong Kong how to pass their financial licensing examinations. If you are um, going to be advising people on how to manage their money in Hong Kong or you're going to be uh, investing money for others, you need to be licensed by the Securities and Futures Commission here, and that requires examinations. And David Bruce is the expert in Hong Kong in uh, uh, providing the wherewithal for investment bankers to go on to get those licenses so that they can practice their trade. Mm. So David was struggling with how to take a proposition that represented his expertise to market. And uh, we got together and I said, look, David, I'll teach you everything I know. So uh, long story short, 36 uh, sessions later, where we went into my conference room with a whiteboard, and then I uh, practically parlayed into him everything that he needed to know how to turn the theoretical and the, idea, the ideal of behind the, um, uh, behind the intelligent content marketing concept, how to turn it into something practical, act actionable, and then you know, convert uh, into monopoly-making status. So. Uh, we spent 36 weeks essentially shooting all of that material and we're producing a video proposition out of that, which will be available on our uh, website, Intelligent Content Marketing. Um, but this one's going to be called the Monopoly Planner. Mm. Uh, and it's intellectual property that we're going to sell for two and a half thousand US dollars um, for a uh, person that wants to access it. Uh, get a 100% money back guarantee on this. And we're told, I think I've, we've had this discussion before about how all that's going to work. Anyway, the upshot is, Jason, after this very, very long explanation, is that uh, not only have we captured it all on video, um, but we thought it would be a really good idea if we took our time, you and I, over the course of the next few weeks and months on, uh, on our Friday sessions, just to go through that presentation, that material, and have discussions about it and share it with all your listeners and, uh, and capture uh, a podcast audio record of the material as well, which is, uh, you know, another in a sense, a trick behind the connection economy. If you're developing content of value to share with people, mm. people like to consume content in different ways. So we've produced a video version of it. And uh, through Digital Bacon FM, uh, we hope to produce a um, an audio podcast type version of it. So uh, that's what I'd like to do with you over the course of the next uh, few weeks and months and, uh, and sort of really build on the whole idea of uh, 
monopoly building mm. uh, through our good conversations. Now, one of the things that uh, struck me having a conversation with a friend of mine was, um, you know, we, we can talk about how you've done it with Hong Kong Visa, um, the center in Hong Kong, and uh, quite often it may come across as something that would only be applicable in your space. And once we'd expanded the conversation a little bit more, she came to realize that actually what you were saying could be used for her own business. So you having taught um, uh, David Bruce David. how to do this about his own business means that the rules and uh, all of the steps that you have uh, have followed apply to most businesses, which I think is interesting to everybody, especially if they have a business and they want to make it a monopoly. Well, here, here you go, right? The, the connection economy um, offers myriad prospects and opportunities for entrepreneurs to um, disaggregate and reaggregate value and, and bring about, you know, alternate ways of, of, of solving age-old problems. So nothing new under the sun. Um, and so because the connection economy does provide, you know, myriad different, you know, potential business models, my, my idea is that intelligent content marketing is, is one such business model that can be applied universally in, in many, many uh, niches. Um, and, of course, it's all well and good me saying that uh, that can be applied in other niches. Certainly, we've, we've applied it in, in Hong Kong immigration, and we're uh, increasingly beginning to apply it and monetizing it in the context of intelligent content marketing. But we need to demonstrate the um, uh, scale of the applicability of these ideas through case studies, right? So mm. in addition to Hong Kong Visa Center and intelligent content marketing, we've now got David Bruce's business where we can show how it is applicable and you can transfer these ideas from, from one niche to another. And indeed, David has a business interest in, is a silent partner in a family business in Edinburgh, Scotland, where his sister runs a property management company. And um, she comes out to Hong Kong three or four times a year for consultations with David as a partner. Um, and Dave is so enamored by uh, what he's learned with us um, uh, through his executive knowledge business that when his sister was here a few weeks ago, he asked me to deliver uh, a presentation over the course of a couple of hours. So it was a, 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 a short, short version of the material that we'd covered in our 36 um, sessions together. But from 39,000 feet, basically giving her the lay of the land and she's We've done that now, and as it happened, we shot those videos, and we'll be using that content again in the future. But the upshot of that is that we've now got a second uh, non-immigration or non-intelligent content marketing business that uh, we can demonstrate that these ideas uh, can be applied to and are being applied to. So you get social proof out of the exercise, and people can essentially take these ideas and know that they're not going to be, um, it's not going to be a jigsaw fit directly into what they do, but it gives you a scaffold. It gives you the ability to look at um, new ways of doing uh, old things in, in the niche that you know well, and then begin to apply these concepts in the way that you disaggregate and reaggregate value. And, and it, even if you're only 80% applicable from the stuff that, 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 that we're able to, to share with you from our experience, the other 20%, you will certainly be able to fathom, A, through the, your expertise in your particular niche, and B, because of your learnings about in this concept of intelligent content marketing, it, it gives you sort of all the tools to think about what you're doing in a new and interesting way. So even the 20% where there might not be a direct fit, as it were, you will be able to come up with something that will allow you to uh, 
mould what we've got to work suitably in one fashion or another with the particular niece that you've got. Mm. So, yeah, my, my idea is that these ideas are in large part universally applicable to niches that are in structure similar to any kind of professional service or any any service where you're delivering value predicated on intellectual property principally. Mm. Um, and, uh, and and therefore, uh, thereafter, I should say, you know, begin to disrupt the space that you're operating in. So, mm. you know, you have to buy into the idea that the industrial economy is ending and the connection economy is upon us. And, and if you buy into that idea, then you realize that the industrial economy way of doing things, they're going to be um, overtaken in due course because of the, the dynamics of the connection economy. And uh, if you buy into that, then you need to think about, you know, the kind of ideas that are out there that will allow you to come up with something new, interesting and remarkable mm. to accord with the opportunities in the connection economy. And as I said, I believe intelligent content marketing based on the seven years of, of, you know, experience that we've had is in the main applicable to so many other niches. If mm. you've just got access to the joined up thinking, that uh, allows you to uh, think about your way forward out of the industrial into the connection. Mm. Now, in developing the uh, monopoly for uh, David Bruce, how many people would you say compete with him in his space in Hong Kong? Well, his major competitor is the firm that originally uh, recruited him to service the contracts that they had had for many, many years because they had a, they're a big corporate and they've got a big position in the marketplace. But the reality is the IP that they were um, that they were making available to their customers was coming all from David directly because mm. that's his expertise, that's his knowledge. So what he's doing is he's disintermediating. He's taking an industrial economy approach uh, and converting it into a connection economy approach and he's getting rid of the middleman. Um, and then by doing that, do you think he'd close the, um, close the barrier to anybody else coming in? Well, indeed, because the moment that he puts his content platform out there, which he has and has been developing for some time already, uh, and he's got a, uh, a web-based proposition where you can generate revenues, he can generate revenues through it uh, in very good terms for the customers, not just in terms of price, but the way that they are able to access the material and ultimately go on to solve the problem that they're paying for. Mm. Uh, he's not the only person that's got the knowledge and know-how, that's for sure. Uh, and he's not the only commercial entity that uh, occupies a space in the niche. Um, in fact, you know, he's, he's got there's quite a competitive landscape if you think about it in those terms. But he has a, a diet-in-the-wool entrepreneur who's got all of the, both the theoretical and practical uh, and experiential uh, knowledge, if you will, in, um, in, in entrepreneurship in Hong Kong. He knows that he can take all the um, monopoly intelligent content marketing type uh, ideas and apply them to what he's doing and want to build a monopoly in the same way as I've done in immigration or I'm in the process of doing with immigration, I should say. Now, now, by doing it on a web platform and making it available that way, is this just another way of him being able to leverage his hourly time to multiple people at the same time? Well, there's all of that, and there's a uh, there's a constant inflow of people in and out of Hong Kong in investment banking, and they all have to get uh, licenses to do what they do. Mm. Uh, so his his posture is to do what we're doing, which is to map the knowledge graph, begin to dominate organic search, um, add value to the core channels, and the core channels in his niche are the basically the executive assistants to the managing directors of the investment banks um, that have kind of the responsibility for teeing um, the resources up 
to allow their bosses to, you know, practice what they do. Mm. Uh, and similarly with HR, have the relationship with HR and um, we'll have to organize, um, you know, the requisite education and preparations for uh, uh, some of the, you know, the junior uh, investment bankers, so to speak, to get them their, their licenses so that they can practice. Mm. He's controlling those channels and marketing into those channels. And there aren't that many. Um, and it's taking ideas such that, that we've used in the Hong Kong Visa Center and applying them um, to his own business executive knowledge. Um, and uh, we'll begin to basically tap into the dynamic that we've tapped into that, 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 is an un, that underpins you know, the way that people make decisions about who they're going to interact with when they've got problems to solve and jobs to be done via the web. And, and doing it this way, does this allow him to steal a march on people who haven't yet arrived in Hong Kong that could actually start the process via the internet uh, as they would with a visa, for example, if they wanted to start an application exactly. process? Yeah. So he, he actually exactly, uh, yeah. he puts a couple of steps in before the first face-to-face meeting. That, that's right, yeah. And, you know, because he's, he's now committed to publishing over time and he's got uh, IP and knowledge and know-how articulated in a way that no one else is, is using the internet to articulate, uh, all roads ultimately go on to lead to Rome, as I uh, explained in one part of the Monopoly video. Mm. And with, with you using him as um, a sounding board and basically teaching him how to do it, how long do you think it would take his business from its start to becoming a Monopoly? Well, uh, being fair about this, knowing that uh, he's got the same sort of dynamic that I, I had seven years ago, and I'm uh, arriving at the point now where whilst we certainly don't yet have a monopoly, we've put in place all the foundations, generated all the relationships and all the goodwill in the marketplace and the reputation for us to uh, leverage the fact that all roads lead to Rome. And we're, what, seven years into the project? Mm. So, um, you know, to, for, for what it's worth, right, I mean, I would suggest that based on our experience that seven years later, if he applies himself to the market in the same way that we have, he should be also staring down the barrel of, uh, of a monopoly as well. You know, we, we often talk about um, the people on the back end, business owners, entrepreneurs who need to change their thinking from industrial to connection economy. We've never really spoken about the man in the street, the consumer. How does the consumer view the difference between industrial and connection economy in a practical sense? I don't think they think about it. I don't think, uh, I think the vast majority of people believe that the industrial economy is just, you know, the, excuse me, I think the majority of people think that the so-called connection economy, if they've heard of it, right, mm. most people haven't heard of the connection economy, they wouldn't know that that's the vernacular that describes, you know, the reality of us all being having ubiquitous 24/7 connectivity at the end of our arms. Mm. Um, but uh, most people don't think about what's happening in the world from that perspective. It's only if you're uh, in it to make money or you're in it to parlay a commercial proposition uh, via the web that you really start to understand this stuff. So the vast majority of people just think that um, the the connection economy is really just smartphones. Um, most people don't don't understand the dynamics of how uh, the world has changed and we are moving from the industrial to the connection. And the truth is most businesses don't know that we're moving from the industrial to the connection. It's only when you're um, thinking forward and how you can steal a march on your, the incumbents that are operating a business in this space that if you've got access to ideas such as those embedded in intelligent content marketing can you start to pull together an understanding uh, that we are shifted from the industrial to the connection. 
So uh, the man on the street, I don't think has any real clue what's going on. And long may it continue because there's your opportunity, right? Opportunity to surprise and delight and to bring something new to market and reverse the risk and make irresistible offers and just completely uh, overwhelm uh, your prospect customers with something new, interesting and remarkable, as I've said previously, and uh, uh, and thereby create relationships and uh, and win one over on your industrial economy uh, um, or originated competition. Okay, and and for you personally, as somebody who knows both of the economies, runs a business, and then also teaches other people how to do their business, when you do things personally, how do you view uh, it as a consumer? Well, hang on, um, hang on a second. So, firstly, I don't teach people how to do stuff. What I prefer to say I'm doing is uh, I'm leading by way of example. I'm teaching by way of example what we've done. I'm not suggesting that I'm a, I'm a teacher to uh i meant uh, in the Dave, in the david bruce example oh i i see i see what you mean okay well again I'm, I, what my, my, my philosophy is that i'm just sharing by way of example what i've done so that people can learn for themselves if there's anything of value and they could emulate and i give you all the resources to be able to do that um, ostensibly everything for free because ideas that spread win at the risk of defeating myself mm. um but how do i feel about it as a consumer i'm i'm absolutely gobsmacked by you know so many aspects of life where i can see immediately how things could be improved but you know nobody's improving upon them let me give you an example a simple simple matter like uh i needed to take one of my ties to the dry cleaner so normally i use one dry cleaner and i don't have any issues but this on this occasion i decided to take it to another dry cleaner it's a little bit closer to my place in one chai um and i dropped it off and they gave me a receipt and they entered something into the system and then they gave me a return date a week later or whatever. So you know what? I went back two weeks later to pick up this tie. Mm. So when I went to pick up the tie, um, they didn't have the tie because I didn't pick it up within the, within the time frame. So for some reason or other, they've taken that one tie and they've sent it to some central clearinghouse where perhaps these things get cleared. Now I have the job to call that central cleaning house, clearinghouse to make arrangement for that thing to be shipped back or, oh, I don't know how they're going to send it to me, but ostensibly to ship it back to the dry cleaning shop that my tie should have been collected from. Hmm. Um, and uh, for one reason or another, the conversation has got lost in the ether. Uh, she hasn't now called me back because she couldn't deal with it the first time I called. I've called back a couple of times and, and she's not answering. Um, so right now, uh, all I've got is a piece of paper with uh, a number on that represents my tie that's somewhere out there in Hong Kong, no idea where it is. Um, and I'm subject to somebody else's business model that's just created a huge amount of uh, inconvenience for me and uncertainty for me. Uh, and I can't understand why their business model has to be constructed in that way. It just seems to me that if they're going to have some kind of system like all of that and they have a as it happens, a, um, uh, an SMS notification uh, service that to tell you when to come and collect. I didn't collect because I was abroad at the time and I never received the, um, the, the text message. Um, it just seems to me that if you're committed to doing something novel, interesting, and you're going to use technology, you know, why are you developing a system that's in favor of the customer rather than in favor Absolutely. of you? Absolutely. And why so should you an have example. to, why there's should you example. have to go and hunt your tie? Ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. So you know, no joined up thinking. There's been no, no effort to truly put yourself at you know at the heart of the customer and say, right, what's the customer experience here? How do we engineer out of the customer's needs and expectations 
the perfect solution so that you can deliver an experience to that partner. So he's going to be delighted with you and he's only going to deal with you in the future. Mm. So now, because of all the shenanigans that's gone on about this one stupid tie, I will never use that system again because I know I'm going to be potentially a victim of it if I don't play the ball or play the game according to their rules. Mm. And they could have they could have rectified it so easily saying we do actually, because we don't have the storage space, we do have to send it back to a certain depot uh, if it's not collected in with a certain time, please give us your address. We'll have it with you within 24 hours. And you would have said, shit, that makes sense. And I'll use them again. So easy, right, Jason? So yeah. easy. But people don't think like that. They always think they always think through the prism of what they know and what's always worked. And there's the opportunity because somebody new can come along and, and will not think through the prism of what's always worked and you know what's in it for them. They'll think through it in a different way. And, and if they deliver it, such significant value in the process by the time your competitors have woken up you know there's a very very good chance that you'll have stolen a very large part of that market Mm. and despite the auditor and uh, the the issues that you know having having lost a customer the fact that they got it to the shop then they had to send it back to a depot then they've got to send it from the depot back to the shop again it's only costing them money so the profit that they would have made on dry cleaning your tie has gone through bad service Absolutely, you know, and they could have they could have done it another way. You know, one might say that you know uh, the reason why they're sending it back is because, as you know, in Hong Kong, dry cleaning places are not that big. You know, yes. they've only got a, a finite a capacity to store stuff. I, I, I get that and I respect that. Mm. But you know, they could have they could have they could have added something in like we'll give you we'll send you three SMSs over the course of three days, um, and if you don't collect it, then for every day onwards, we're going to charge you you know ten percent daily. The cost of the uh, the dry cleaning that would get me off my bum to go and you know pick up the stuff that works right it's mm. reasonable and acceptable but no instead of that they sent it off to somewhere else and i'm chasing somebody down who doesn't have the motivation to get back to me and you know i'm a busy guy and it's a tie after all and, total nightmare and, completely done wrong and you would think if it was a little town where i live the expectation that people are going to be traveling every week is quite small in hong kong everybody is out the country Every every week, every month, it's you know, travel is not something that's not uh, not unknown, especially for expatriates. Yeah. Absolutely, that's yeah. right, that's right. But you know, again, you see, it's a function of the fact that the people who own the businesses and who make the decisions in those businesses are only thinking uh, through the prism of the industrial economy, what they've always known and what they've always done. Uh, and if you don't actually appreciate the difference between the industry and the connection and the disruptive potential afforded by the connection, someone who is a little bit you know, ahead of you uh, might come along and steal your lunch mm. with very little money invested, if, not, if anything at all, in actual fact. Mm. And, you know, I think, I think despite, you know, the differences between the connection and uh, industrial economy, what will always win out is memorable customer service, no matter how that's delivered. Yeah, and you know, uh, I I I, de- I describe that not so much as memorable customer service, but as a as a customer service experience. You have to deliver an experience, mm. and and it's a piece of cake, right? All you have to do is say, "I'm the customer." Ideally, understanding you know the constraints of what goes on around me and what I'm what it's all about today. What's the what's the ideal solution that works for me? What's the ideal experience where where the encounter that I have with that provider they're gonna it's going to be so compellingly good. But I'm going to not only remember it, but I'm going to want to deal with them again in the future, again and again and again. Mm. And that's the mission. That's not hard. Anybody can do that because everybody's a consumer, right? 
Everybody mm. can fathom, fathom that out. If you fathom that out and build a business model on the back of that and use the internet in a smart and interesting way, you're, uh, you're monopoly building. Mm. Fantastic. Stephen, thank you very much. I hope you have an absolutely awesome weekend. And uh, we will catch up again next Friday. Digital Bacon FM. Hopefully you've already had an idea or two about how to adjust your business to the new rules of the connection economy. Stay tuned for the next episode for an in-depth introduction to Monopoly the Planner. Monopoly the Planner.